Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Well, welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast from the Toxin Tasting Studio. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. Welcome to the show. And uh, thank you for bearing with our opening last week. Uh, some sound issues, but uh, Peter is with us today, so all our sound issues will be resolved, I believe. Well, I mean, we can't not get our hopes We can't up. make right. We can't make any uh, promises about the content, but <laughs> the sound is going to be awesome. <laughs> all right, and uh, Vicar today brought the beverage. What did you bring for us, Berg or Vicar? <laughs> all the way from the the OK state of Wisconsin. I brought you Spotted Cow from New Glarus Brewing Company. And, you know, the unique thing about this beer is that it is only sold within the state of Wisconsin. So there are benefits of having in-laws from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and this being one of the top. You have no clue how jealous I am. By the way, you still have to pick yours at someone else's house. I know. Every time I we, – we have a friend that, that went – and bought some a listener, by the way, a listener. And every time, <laughs> every time I think of it, I go, "Oh, I have to go pick that up." And then I take too long, and I have to get home so I can go to bed, and I just don't go pick it up. And it's been like months. <laughs> so, Vicar, Vicar, pop, pop it open there. Here we go. There we go. I, I've actually been to this uh, brewery. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. We have too, Peter. You've been there. Yeah, it's been a long time, but I have been there. We we had a like a a vacation. I think with was it with our mother in law or was it when we went? I think it was with our mother in law. I I think it was with your parents. With my parents, also avid listeners. <laughs> right, House on the Rock is awesome. New Glarus is really like picturesque. Yeah, it's uh, kind of nestled down in a valley. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, man, I I could live here and drink beer. And work at the brewery. Maybe that that we should have our next live remote be there. I I wouldn't say no. That could be arranged. So uh, before we uh, get uh, too into the podcast, I wanted to mention something that we had talked about earlier. Um, we had talked about uh, uh, Kanye, right? Yeah. Yep. So is this our Kanye update? Well, you know, I don't know if a lot has happened since then, but... Uh, we had discussed earlier about how how we were wondering if it was a coincidence that uh, he converted to Christianity at about the same time that uh, the podcast got started. Yeah. And we were wondering if, if there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the thing. If that happens to be true, I don't know how to get a hold of Kanye. I, Do I, you? I don't either. Okay. So, I... so here's the thing. If, he, if this, the odd chance... That that uh, the podcast had something to do with this, all right, and the fact that he's a listener. The only way I can really communicate with him is to put something on the podcast. Right, right. So, so uh, I have this uh, little thing I recorded. It's uh, it's uh, it's a message to to Kanye. I call it the Kanye Whisperer. That's beautiful, man. And uh, and so uh, I I will go ahead and play this for you. Here we go. Hey Kanye, it's me. 
the Kanye Whisperer. I'm sorry about this beat. You know, I gotta go royalty-free on this budget. Listen, I'm not here to talk about the genuineness of your faith. Everyone's got an opinion about that. But I can tell you are really listening to people who believe in the Bible. So thank you. I appreciate your love for the gospel, that you proclaim that your life is found in the death of Jesus. The things you proclaim about the Bible and its truth are not always heard in many churches. So thank you. By your recent confession of faith, I consider you a brother. And I'm not sure how long you've been listening to the Clerical Heirs podcast, but please keep doing so. And I tell you this because I care about you, Kanye. Watch out for the theology of glory. Faith in Christ can actually make things a little more difficult. Remember, our glory is in the cross where Jesus suffered for us. And many times suffering comes with being a Christian. Remember, Jesus and his word is always faithful. And Kanye, make sure you have a pastor who will be honest with you. He might say some things that you do not want to hear, but that's good. That means your pastor cares about you and the word of God. There is something I need to warn you about, Kanye. As you believe the Bible is the word of God, there is a storm coming when people realize what the Bible says about same-sex marriage. Be strong. Trust the word of God when that happens, because it's going to get ugly. Think the critics are bad now. Just wait. Anyways, you have an opportunity to do a lot of good work for the gospel. So, keep doing the good work. In Vicar's favorite song, you proclaim not only a love for Jesus, but a love for Chick-fil-A. My wife does too. I don't get it. It's just a chicken sandwich, right? What am I missing? Anyways... Thanks for listening, Kanye. And if you want to help Vicar get his own microphone, please let us know at feedback at clericalheirs.org or add us at Twitter, yay? At clericalheirspodcast. P. P for podcast. I forgot the riff. No! No! Oh well, P- well, Peter, we'll play her at the end again, at, at the end, and you add the riff. Can you do that for me? <laughs> okay, you have to send it to me. <laughs> you should add the riff like right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the thing, dude. <laughs> no, that was that was really touching. Good work. <laughs> Well, you know, everyone has advice and this or that. Mm-hmm. I take him at his word and uh, try to help help out one of our listeners. No, no doubt. So, so is it is it just the chicken sandwich or is it because they put pickles on it? Oh, I like the pickles. I don't have a problem with Chick Fil A, but it's just a chicken sandwich, right? <laughs> that, that, you know. Now here's the thing: my mother does not like pickles. Right. She specifically mm. orders Chick-fil-A sandwiches with no pickles. But she refuses to accept the fact that one of the things they do at Chick-fil-A that she thinks makes it taste so good is they soak the chicken in pickle juice. 
Ooh. That that is pretty rad. I I like pickles and I like <laughs> chicken sandwiches. So, yeah, so Kanye, if you're listening. And by the way, some of those things could apply to everybody. Indeed. <laughs> it's almost like real talk. Right. So, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm an aspiring rap artist myself, so It's true. You have the soul <laughs> of an artist. If you don't believe me, go listen to the haiku one again. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, Berg, what are you preaching on? Uh, well, I'm preaching on the third last Sunday of the church year, uh, which is Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 15 through 28, where Jesus is talking about the signs of the end times. And he specifically mentions the abomination of desolation which is spoken of by the prophet Daniel. This uh, historically talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, where uh, pagan effigies and idols are placed in the holy place, which is the temple. Uh, this applies to us today, and we, we, ha- we see the abomination of desolation when people are ignorant of the gospel in the church. Mm-hmm. That is the desolating abomination, that when people are appointed to the law, rather than to uh, the grace that Christ gives, uh, when they take away from uh, the incarnation and the vicarious satisfaction of our Lord, mm-hmm. that Christ stood in our place and paid for all of our sins, that is the true desolation of the church. Okay. And, you know, we have a lot of awesome things in here. Um, I actually wrote uh, really uh, <laughs> part of a project uh, to get a postal out there, an e-postal. Uh, it's a book of sermons. Mm-hmm. And you have to, and it's actually been really humbling because I have to write at a fourth grade level. And so it's it's been a little difficult for me. If you want lessons, I can give you lessons but, on that. <laughs> but this one, I actually wrote a sermon on this one and I got to three and a half, the, the grade three and a half. So, wow. so yeah, so I was doing pretty good. Um, and I summed it up in this way, that... Uh, in this lesson, Jesus teaches us four things. First, he teaches us when to run away, right? Because when the abomination of desolation comes, Christians should flee, mm-hmm. just like they should free, flee from false doctrine, right? Uh, the second thing that it teaches us is not only should we flee, but we should also pray. Uh, here, Jesus tells us to pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, right? That God hears our prayers and that he has promised to hear them and that he will fulfill them. He will do what is best for us. Um, the third thing that it teaches us is that God has cut the time of tribulation short because if, uh, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short, which is a great, wonderful promise for us that Mm -hmm. when we are going through times of suffering and trial, that compared to eternity, this is but a momentary affliction and that God will cut the time of our affliction and uh, uh, tribulation short, which is a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing for us. And I think that what you've said so far reiterates um, something we've been saying all along, and that is uh, many of our listeners may find themselves in a church that doesn't actually preach the gospel or preach the word of God as the inerrant, inspired word of God. And uh, a lot of times they may shrug their shoulders and they say, well, you know, we've been a part of this church for a long time, or my family's been a part of that church for a long time. 
But really, when you when you think about it, in a lot of those cases, it's not the same church that your parents or grandparents or great grandparents were a part of. Right. Many times, it was part of a church that that believed that the Bible was the Word of God and no longer does. And so rather than just say, well, we're attached to this building or this church name, um, you should actually flee from it and not just, just say, well, that's the way it goes. And maybe at some point they'll straighten out. And very rarely does it ever straighten out. Yeah. I mean, look at the temple, right? It had been built. It was a beautiful thing, right? People had been worshiping there for many, many, many centuries, right? Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus tells them to flee physically. And they actually flee to a place called Pella. And there's a Pella, Iowa, right, mm-hmm. uh, named by the Dutch Reformed. Uh, it was a place of flight, right? In the same way, we should flee from false doctrine, right? Even if it happens in places that we love, especially if it happens in places that we love. Uh, and so then I, the, I cut you short there, but continue on with your right, what and you were going to say. And so my fourth point is is that Jesus is not going to—he's going to come back visibly. When Jesus comes back, everybody's going to know it. We don't have to go looking for him. He's going to come find us. We don't have to go to the farthest reaches of of the world, like to the deserts. And we don't have to join some esoteric order of Dagon to find him in the inner rooms. Okay, that was not fourth grade level. (laughs) (laughs) I just added that one in for your your, uh, benefit. But that Jesus will come to us and everyone will see him and... That will be a day of great rejoicing for all Christians. All right. And uh, Vicar and I both are preaching because uh, he's going to be preaching at our home congregation here. And then I will be, I have a, a, a church I'm helping out as well. So, and actually we're both preaching on the, on creation. Uh, he's focusing more on the, the uh, image of God, correct? Right. Yeah. I'm looking a lot at day six of creation when God created mankind and specifically on the image of God, which is given to man, uh, uh, answering questions that maybe um, haven't been um, answered in a long time, or maybe they still linger. What is the image of God? Do we still have the image of God? Is it being restored in us? What's it going to look like in the resurrection of the body? And, and more foundationally, really, you know, who who are you? Right, right. As, as a child of God, right. what does that mean? Right. And uh, and so it's it's about our identity, right? So, so it'll, it's a good sermon. Thank you. Identity preaching, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I I am going to also preach on the, the creation, but mine's a little more a little more foundational in the sense that I'm really preaching something that is often forgotten, and really we don't really think about it. Is what does it mean to actually have a creator? What does it mean to be created? And uh, if you look at many of the issues that we deal with as a society and as a culture, it is forgetting that, that the mere fact that you're alive, keeping your seat warm is proof that you've been created. Right. And if, there, if you have a creator, then you have someone who created you for reason and purpose, that there is right and wrong, and, and there is a God who, who created you for a reason, and, uh, and how that applies to the gospel that he came to to restore and, and make us a new creation. But it all, you know, if you don't, earlier, in uh, an, an earlier podcast, we mentioned that uh, that uh, what, what Jesus said when uh, someone talked about what does God command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and uh, what did Jesus say? He said, you are not 
far from the kingdom of God. And I think part of that, too, is just understanding the nature of being a created being and created in his image. I think that also is one of those foundational things that the gospel, you need to have to understand what Jesus did, how he entered creation for our sake, how he became uh, one who died for that creation and for us specifically, his, and to restore that image. So my sermon is more about, more just really the foundation, because that's also, like Vicar said, we kind of forget about who we are. I think just being, understanding uh, that we are created by God affects everything. And it's really, really lost today, I think, in many ways. No, yours is a really timely sermon. I ha- listened a couple weeks ago to an Art of Manliness podcast mm-hmm. where this Danish, um, uh, I think he was a psychologist, was talking about liquid modernity. And in our society today, we have all these self-help books, and really what we're trying to be is our own creator. We're trying to better ourselves and project these images of ourselves and forgive ourselves and do all these sort of things. Um, And it's a burden. Mm -hmm. And it's a burden that we can't carry. And it's the same way, too. You see it with uh, a lot of body modification stuff that Mm -hmm. we've mentioned before, Mm -hmm. where my body is the canvas and I'm the painter. And so this is a this is a real you're addressing a real problem today. And that's right. a wonderful. And and, wonderful and, thing. Uh, and by the way, this is some advice. This is, you know, for especially young husbands and young wives is is people buy into, like you said, a creation of themselves and to realize that wives, your husbands find you beautiful. You don't have to go through all sorts of strange things. You know, you are beautifully mm-hmm. created and uh and your husband loves you. And so, and also husbands, you know, make sure you remind your wives of that. Yeah, but wear deodorant every once in a while. <laughs> Maybe get a haircut. Because we're, we're less beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but yeah, that's a, it's, I think it's, it's one of those things you, we, we, we forget. And when we look at the Apostles Creed, where does it start? I believe in God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and and uh that's you got to understand that if you're going to understand jesus so mm-hmm. so that brings us to berg's top 12 peter play the intro enough nonsense it's time for pastor travis berg top 12 all right so uh we are continuing we heard 12 through 7 of uh of berg's top 12 hymns from the Lutheran hymnal, the older hymnal published in 1941, mm-hmm. that uh, seemingly are forgotten in, in, in our more recent hymnals. Right. Trying to dig up some wonderful old treasures for you guys. And uh, what were some of the, uh, can you do like a Reader's Digest version of your criteria? All right. So my criteria was Lutheran composers only. There's other great stuff written by other people, but you know we want our treasures. Uh, not in the LSB, not in the Lutheran service book, um, and that they taught doctrine better or they filled a gap uh, that I see in our modern hymnody. Number six. TLH 470, Rise Again, Ye Lionhearted. Now, the author is unknown, but I believe that this hymn goes a long way in combating the triumphalist nature of hymns like Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus or Lift High the Cross, or even the Son of God goes forth to war. This hymn sounds like the ancient martyrs 
who go to their death joyfully because they are focused on their Lord and Savior. Their victory looks like defeat to the world and even to many modern Christians, and yet they are more than conquerors through him who loved them. Vicar? Okay, so I'm going to sing stanza three. Great of heart they know no turning, honor gold they left to scorn. Quench desires within them burning, by no earthly passion torn. Mid the lions roaring, songs of praise outpouring. Joyous they, they take their stand on the arena's bloody sand. Thank you, Vicar. Yeah, very good. So here we see just this wonderful description of the saints uh, who, uh, in, the, in the first stanza, it's the best. I mean, uh, and their will to die doth quell e'en the Lord and Prince of Hell. Hmm. I mean, what a beautiful image that we trample Satan under our feet that he cannot stand against Christians. Even as he slays them, they are unbowed and unconquered. Very powerful. And and something we would note is uh, first thing that uh, seems like uh, 70 years ago, everybody must have been a tenor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately. And, uh, and, and since it ha- his, has his name in it, I'd like to dedicate that number uh, six to Kanye. Indeed. Because it's, what's the name of it? Rise Again, Ye Lionhearted. Yep. Yay. Yes. Yay. (laughs) All right. Number five. TLH 607, Day of Wrath, O Day of Mourning. This is the Dize Ira, Dize Illa. This ancient hymn of the church must be included, not only because it's venerable, but also because it teaches both law and gospel so beautifully in regard to the last day, and as well as teaching the resurrection from the dead. So. Day of wrath, O day of mourning, see fulfilled this prophet's warning. Heaven and earth in ashes burning. What shall I, frail man, be pleading, who for me be interceding, when the just are mercy needing? <laughs> These are unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah, so that's the interesting thing. Stanza 13, from that sinful woman shriven, from the dying thief forgiven, thou to me a hope has given. Or stanza 19, to the rest thou didst prepare me, on thy Christ, on thy cross, O Christ, upbear me. Spare, O God, in mercy spare me. This is a beautiful ancient hymn, and in fact, uh, it shows up in a lot of video games. You know, especially like the Halo. They've got that nice Gregorian chant, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said, mm-hmm, like I know. So, yeah, exactly. Is it in Mario Kart? I, I wish. That's uh, um, Bowser's Castle. So So you mentioned, that, you know, Vicar mentioned it was unfamiliar and hard to sing, but you said how many verses were there? 19. 19. So by, by the time you get through the 19th verse, you know it. Yeah, 
That's right. That's true. And they're nice and short, too. Day of wrath, oh, day of mourning. See fulfilled the prophet's warning. Heaven and earth in ashes burning. See? Well, maybe you should be singing them. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. TLH 485, Lord Jesus Who Art Come. This was written by Eberhard Ludwig Fischer in 1741. No information was really given about him on the internet, which was really kind of weird. However, Dr. Wilhelm Gottlieb Toffinger, who who compiled the hymnal in which this hymn was placed, was a Lutheran clergyman. So more than likely, Eberhard was a Lutheran. This hymn powerfully teaches something that is really missing in our modern Lutheran hymnals, especially the LSB, and that is hymns about the office of the ministry. Okay, so I got stanzas two and three. Thou haste, O Lord, returned to God's right hand ascending. Yet thou art in this world, thy kingdom here extending. Through preaching of thy word in every land and clime, thy people's faith is kept until the end of time. O blessed ministry of reconciliation that shows the way to God and brings to us salvation. By thine evangel pure, Lord, thou preserves thy fold, dost call, enlighten, keep, dost comfort and uphold. Right, way better than a lot of these modern ones. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do we have? Uh, God of the prophets, bless the prophet's sons. (laughs) Boo, right? I don't know. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, boo. Boo? Boo. Why why, why is it a boo? Boo. Because, first of all, it really doesn't say much of anything. It's got a a lot of nice imagery, like, oh, Elisha's mantle on Elijah, or Elijah's mantle on Elisha cast. Blah, 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 blah. Make us kings? That's talking about every Christian in that one. So that's so, the thing. so one thing I think would be helpful for our listener mm-hmm. is there might be confusion on the word, and I think you just kind of mentioned it already, the word ministry, because that could mean all sorts of different things. So when you use the word ministry in this setting, what are you talking about? Ministry here is the office of pastor, the office of preacher. There are preachers in the church, and there are hearers in the church. Preachers are called by God uh, through the church with a call. They are they share in the prophetic office, but they are not prophets. They are not called immediately by God from heaven. They are actually call, given called documents. The church says, hey, we want to call you, and that's what happens. They are also not apostles, because apostles were called immediately by Jesus. And they prove their ministry by doing miracles. Pastors don't do miracles unless they're in accounting. And then they can do financial (laughs) miracles. But they are not apostles, even though they share in the apostolic ministry, okay, in this sort of office, right? So that's the whole point, is that a pastor is called by the church. Not everybody is a minister in that they uh, publicly preach the gospel, now, they preach the gospel uh, in their own uh, 
uh, vocation as father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker. That is where they speak the gospel. But if they get up in the middle of the church service and start preaching, that is a sin. That is not what God has given them to do. And so I think the reason I asked that question, and I knew you would answer it, mm-hmm. <laughs> is the idea that uh, anytime you serve God, it's, it's called a ministry. And that brings confusion between the office of holy ministry mm-hmm. as pastor and people who are just serving God. Yeah. I mean, ministry just means service. Mm-hmm. And every Christian serves God. But not everybody serves in the same way. And, and, it, so, and it's not one that's one is greater or lesser than another. No. In fact, the office of pastor is below everybody else. They are servants. In fact, St. Paul says in, in I, can't, I think it's 1 Corinthians, that he tells his congregation, all things are yours, even uh, Apollos and myself, right? They all belong to their people, right? So this isn't, just because the pastor has authority, it doesn't mean that he is somehow higher than them. It, and then the, the prime example of that would be Jesus the night before he died. Right. Is uh, he washed the disciples' feet mm-hmm. and uh, with a command that they should also... Right, wash one another's feet. Right. That they should not be served, but serve, as he himself did. And that's why it's very important to have hymns like this that actually teach what the office of the ministry is, how Jesus is still acting as the prophet, right? Mm-hmm. As uh, stanza two said, he has returned to God's right hand, and yet he's in the world. How is he in the world? He's in the in the world through his through his preachers, through his pastors. That's how he extends his kingdom. Uh, oh, blessed ministry of reconciliation. That's just right out of Second Corinthians. Um, the the ending. Dost call, enlighten, keep, dost comfort, and uphold. And that was darn near pulled right out of the catechism, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, I know I get on my soapbox, <laughs> but it's really frustrating when our own modern hymnals teach less clearly about the office. Like we've got like 50 billion uh, mission hymns in the LSB and our like three uh, office of the ministry ones are really kind of weak and lame. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree agree, and uh, you know, um, I mean, a pastor is a missionary, but it's not not the same thing, right? So that's the thing. All right, but anyway, I was doing some research on this hymn, okay, mm-hmm. and I was looking in uh, that big thick book that the companion volume for TLH, mm-hmm. and they left out a stanza. That they didn't really? that they didn't translate. So so you have you have not only do you have issue with the modern hymnals, you have actually an issue with the one you're holding up today. Yeah, I I am an equal opportunity hater <laughs> audience. See? <laughs> See, I I I I I cast my uh I, I cast my criticism uh indiscriminately. <laughs> so. so so what is this this verse? All right, so I translated this verse for you. This stanza for you, the listener. Um, and I did a fairly decent job. Um, there's one too many syllables in the last part, but I'll, I'll read it for you. Save us from heresy, man's doctrine and from shadows. Teach us in thine own way, 
in public, not in grottos. Guard us from all offense, from schisms which divide. May word and sacrament, pure and whole with us, abide. That's a good, that's a good verse. They left that one out? Yeah, they left that one out. Oh. That's like the verse we need the most. I, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that should be the prayer every Sunday, right? And uh, so it was It was a little difficult because translation is always, uh, translation is always robbery. So the original in, uh, instead of in public, not in grottos, was originally im temple nicht in winkel which is in temple, not in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I tried to capture what it's actually talking about, right? Like a temple is a public place, right? right? And a winkle, uh, a corner, is a private place. That's why Luther hated sneak preachers, uh, winkle prediger, because they would kind of do these things behind the back mm-hmm. of um, the properly called pastors. So... Uh, vicar who does not have his own microphone had something he wanted to say. Well, that verse, you know, talks about keep us away from heresy. And I can't help but think of Kanye talking about, you know, stay away from the vipers. Okay. So maybe he's got something. <laughs> he knows He knows what it's about. <laughs> so maybe we can uh, bring some of these verses and Kanye together. Kanye, we need help. We desperately need your help, yay, to... She- to uh, bring this th- these hymns to the world, and and uh, you can do it. You can really help us, really help us. So um, maybe we should rename this podcast to the uh, Kanye West podcast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should change the album art. Like just instead of like the, the our preacher dude, just change it to a picture of Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Peter, what's your issue? You really don't like this Kanye thing, do you? You you think we're uh, we're getting too excited about it? It's it's not that I dislike the fact that you're excited about it. It's just it <laughs> it feels less like the podcast that we normally make and more like uh, a celebrity gossip podcast podcast. Oh, <laughs> and I just don't. I I'm tired of hearing <laughs> about this one dude that you'll never meet. What do you mean he's a listener? <laughs> this one dude that you'll Allegedly. never meet. I'm sure one of which never listens to their music. <laughs> and the other one rarely. <coughs> so you want us to continue with number three, right? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so number three. Number three. TLH 268. Zion mourns in fear and anguish. This hymn was written by Johann Hiermann. His own suffering and family tragedy led him to meditate on Christ's undeserved suffering. He was the only surviving child of a poor furrier, which was a fur trader, and his wife. Uh, and his wife, uh, Herman fulfilled his mother's vow at birth that if he lived, he would become a pastor. He was initially a teacher, and Herman became a minister in the Lutheran Church in Coben in 1611. But he had to stop preaching in 1634 due to a severe throat infection. He retired in 1638. Much of his ministry took place during the Thirty Years' War, where most of Germany was just completely destroyed. At times, he had to flee for his life, and on several occasions, he lost all of his possessions. Although Hermann wrote many of his hymns and poems during these devastating times, his personal faith and trust in God continued to be reflected in his lyrics. He is judged to be the finest hymn writer in the era between Martin Luther 
and Paul Gerhardt. So, Vicar. Okay, so I got stanzas three and four. Zion, surely I do love thee. Thus to hear the Savior saith, That with many woes I prove thee, And thy soul is sad to death. For my truth is pledged to thee, Zion, thou art dear to me. Deep within my heart I've set thee, that I never can forget thee. Let not Satan make thee craven, he can threaten but not harm. On my hands thy name is graven, and thy shield is my strong arm. How could it ever be I should not remember thee? Fall to build thy walls, my city, and look down on thee with pity. Well, one thing I'm noticing is is this, and um, maybe it says something maybe I myself can learn from, and that is, is uh, one thing I'm, I'm picking up on what you're throwing down here is, is um, the hymns that you've chosen say things very. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It say it says things very succinctly, mm-hmm. and it, it sometimes says uncomfortable things. Right. Um, and uh, I think maybe as preachers, sometimes we have the desire, in the same way, to have a sermon that's that's. Uh, more edible and easy to take right. without really saying what needs to be said. And I think your hymns are pointing that out. And I think there might be a shift in preaching and in everything we do as a church, not just the hymns. Yeah. I, I do think like this hymn, Zion fear, mourns in fear and anguish. The first two stanzas are all about the church's complaint to God. Have you abandoned me? Uh, have you left me alone? Aren't you going to fulfill, fulfill your promises? And these are our, our Savior's responses to the church. I do love thee. Um, uh, my troth, uh, this, is, this goes back to the old um, uh, marriage uh, vows, right? I plight thee my troth, right? I pledge to you my faithfulness. God has pledged his faithfulness to his church just as a bride and husband pledge themselves to one another. And it's even greater than that because he is a husband who will never abandon his bride. Mm. And I mean, this is uh, that how then could it ever be that I should not remember thee, fail to build thy wall, my city, and look down on thee with pity, right? What a comforting thing to hear when life is awful. Right. Right. And it really expresses uh, the internal struggle that every Christian has. Right. And then the comforting words of the Savior, that even though these things are happening, he is still your God. He has not abandoned you. He is still uh, the husband to your soul. He's still the bridegroom. And he cares about you. He pities you. And he will not be slow to help you. So, so I, have a, I have a question. Um, when, when, uh, when Vicar was singing, obviously it isn't 
an easy hymn to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what would your response be if if someone were to to have a more singable tune to these hymns? Would that, or do you think they should be paired together? Um, I see. I don't know if this one is actually the original tune or not to it. Okay. Um, I think if it is, uh, I always believe that tunes and uh, and words go together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what makes Weird Al so funny, right? Because but, you know, but but you can you could have you could have a tune that's more singable, easier to teach a congregation that would still convey the same message of the hymn, wouldn't you say? I mean, words always take precedence over over the tune. Mm-hmm. I mean. I I do think that we often make too much about it. Well, the congregation can't sing it. The congregation can't sing it. Well, maybe it's just the hymn of the month for, right. you know. Um, mm-hmm. People can learn. And I think we should trust our people to learn. And that we should, uh, one way you could introduce a hymn like this is uh, let your choir sing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be a great way to do that. Um, and then after the choir sing it or a soloist sings it, um, someone who is more musically trained, uh, then you um, introduce it into the congregation, right? I was glad that you explained the first two verses of this hymn because the tune makes a lot more sense for the complaint. I mean, it's it's an uh, it's not a it's a minor it's an offsetting tune. It sounds just like one note off, and you can just hear the complaint even in the tune itself Mm -hmm. and so you know just singing jesus's response was a little odd but if you see it in in the whole hymn with the first two verses that sort of offsetting tune makes a little bit more sense yeah i just didn't want to have you sing like 40 (laughs) stands of of, of things tonight although i i would appreciate it but you know well you like anything in minor key I do. Well, and actually, music theory has changed. Um, usually when we think about minor keys, we think of sad things. Um, but uh, a lot of the Reformation stuff was written in a minor key because of its strength, because of its um, its power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even our music theory has changed over the last 500 years, and we should really know that, you know? Mm-hmm. So Number two. TLH 411 from Eternity O God. Now, this one is just an amazing hymn. Okay. This is this is like this is one and everybody'll like it cuz it's easier to sing, right? Um but this hymn really should enter into our regular rotation of hymns uh in in the church. It really should. Now, this guy this was written by Casper Newman. He was a Lutheran pastor in 1648 to 1715. And he penned this hymn for Pentecost. This excellent hymn teaches very clearly the third article. It poetically and accurately portrays biblical predestination, stanza one, the call to faith through the gospel in stanza two, the enlightening of the heart in stanza three, sanctification in stanza four, the source of our sanctification, who is Christ, stanza five, a prayer against the devil in stanza six, and a prayer for right living and a Christian death in stanza seven. So... Picker. Okay, so I'm just going to sing the first stanza here so you get a sense of how this hymn goes. From eternity, O God, in thy Son thou didst elect me. Therefore, Father, on life's road, 
graciously to heaven direct me. Send to me thy Holy Spirit, that his gifts I may inherit. Like, how many stanzas have you actually heard that teach, that actually teach biblical predestination, right? In a correct and wonderful way. You get like fragments of it, like mm -hmm. uh, um, in uh, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice by Luther, right? That, but God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation, right? But here we see it, right? God did this from eternity. Before you had done any good or any evil, God had already been planning for your election to send his son to save you from your sins. And that is a wonderful thing, right? Mm -hmm. That is exactly what the third article teaches. And it's easy to remember, and it's a wonderful prayer, and uh, we, we should be singing it more. And, and, and like you said all along, the, the point of, of Lutheran hymns is to teach and reinforce our confession and what Scripture says. Right. And as a sanctification hymn, this is wonderful, right? Because a lot of sanctification hymns tell us, like— Can you, can you uh, say, as you mentioned, sanctification— some of our listeners may not understand what sanctification is. All right. Uh, the word sanctification comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. So sanctification is holification, making you holy, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, even some of our better hymns in LSB don't really teach us uh, where our sanctification comes from. It's almost something that you have to do. So, for example, the hymn, Let Us Ever Walk With Jesus, right? It tells us, okay, let's walk with Jesus, you know, follow his example pure through a world that would deceive us, right? But it never actually tells us where we get the ability to do this, right? right? It It is really, uh, it's never really talked about, right? Let us die with Jesus. What a, let us rise with Jesus, blah, 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 right? <laughs> but it's never really, it never really tells you where this comes from. But in, in this hymn, it actually tells you, um, it actually tells you uh, who, where, where you get the strength to do good and to avoid evil, which is a uh, uh, stanza five. As a branch upon a vine, in my blessed Lord implant me, ever of my head divine to remain a member grant me. Oh, let him, my Lord and Savior, be my life and love forever. Right? That we receive all of our strength. We apart from him, we can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? And that this is the truth of sanctification. God doesn't just start you, you know, spinning as a top and say, well, I hope you can cross, I hope you can limp across the finish line. Right. Right. Good luck, guys. Right. But no, he that began. Was that, a, was that dead cat imagery? Yes. That was dead cat imagery. Right. It's like giving CPR to the dead cat. And it's like, okay, if you can get halfway down the road, I'll, you know. But no, like this is, this is, this is the great thing about it is that God. Uh, loves us so much, and he begins this good work in us, he sustains it throughout our life, and then he brings it to completion. And and uh, that's one thing that uh, I think pastors at times have trouble preaching, and that is sanctification, mm -hmm. at least in, in Lutheran circles, because because they don't want to sound uh, come off cross as works righteousness, and mm -hmm. so sometimes it's avoided. Right. And that's why sanctification always has to be centered in our Lord Jesus. It always has to be centered in the gospel. The law uh, does, it tells us what God wants from us, mm -hmm. but it doesn't give us any, 
any ability or power to actually do those things, right? It's like, I use the analogy, it's like a riverbed, right? A river a riverbed gives um, shape to the river, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not the river, right? Uh, without the water, without that pure flowing water, a riverbed is just, it's dead and it's ugly. Mm-hmm. But the water is the gospel. It's the new life that we receive from the gospel, um, that it's the new man which flows uh, into this riverbed and whose life uh, is not under the law, but it still is shaped by God's law. And mm-hmm. so it can be a very it can be a very confusing thing for a lot of people, unfortunately. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to preach sanctification because Jesus does. That's the will of God for us, your sanctification, as St. Paul says. All right, you ready? All right. The big finale. The big reveal. And number one. Number one, TLH 260, O Lord, look down from heaven, behold. Of course, we had to, you know, end with a Luther hymn, right? This is written by Martin Luther on Psalm 12. And this hymn was actually a popular protest hymn in the Reformation. Okay, everybody thinks that you know "Mighty Fortress" is our big like rah rah hymn. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the Reformation, this was it. Uh, I'll tell you a story about it. In 1527, a visiting preacher in Braunschweig uh, was he was a he was a Roman Catholic priest, and he was extolling that good works save in a sermon, rather than Christ alone. And one of the citizens, Henning Rischau, uh, said in a loud voice, "Father, you're lying during the service." <laughs> And then he loudly began to sing this hymn during the service, which is amazing. Uh, And he did this. And in Lubeck and in Lundberg, the congregations disrupted Roman Catholic sermons by singing this hymn. So this is this is the real like this is the real deal, man. That's manly. Yeah, it is super manly. Okay, so I'm going to sing stanza four for you guys. Therefore, saith God, I must arise, the poor my help are needing. To me ascend my people's cries, and I have heard their pleading. For them my saving word shall fight, and fearlessly and sharply smite. The poor with my defending. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> May God root out all heresy and of false teachers rid us. Mm. That is a beautiful hymn. And while while they were while they were preaching, they busted out. On... Yep. And so, people, if you're listening to this and you hear false doctrine in a sermon, break out this hymn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am serious. Like, we laugh about this. But honestly, if they are preaching false doctrine, you should get up and you should leave. Right. You should get up and you should leave. And if you don't want to leave, uh, make the good confession by singing this hymn. Because that's how important it is. Like, when there's false doctrine being preached, souls are at stake. Souls are at stake. And, and that's one thing we are totally missing in many ways is the fact that that you know we have the iowa nice well you don't want to rock the boat or whatever and and that kind of thing but but we're talking about life and death issues and we're talking about theology and we're talking about preaching right and uh 
and and that hymn bears with it a sense of urgency about it. Right, that even though God's people are oppressed and even though there are people preaching false things out there, God will arise. He knows his people's need and he will and for them his saving word will fight. Right? That God's word is the sword of the spirit and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. So why do you think that was left off out out of curiosity? I don't know. They had to put some more Stephen Starkey hymns in. <laughs> Little Twyla Paris. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little... Uh, you are on fire tonight. I, I you get, are amped up. Uh, what did you have for dinner tonight? Um, I didn't actually eat, so... Oh, well, I, I've just found the secret sauce to making a good show. So... A fasting burg is a good burg. Indeed. We, we like the fasting burg. So... <laughs> So, yeah. No, guys, if you have any questions or comments, uh, I'd love to see what, you know, you guys came up with. And if you have anything, especially a call out to our our pastor brethren, if you have any you think Berg missed, he'd love to hear that, wouldn't you? I I Would that warm your heart if someone said, hey, you know, a good list, however... You know, it would warm the place where my heart should be. You would love that. And so, so, Vicar, if, if, if someone wanted to do that, where, where would they be they, able to find us? Well, they can post all over our Facebook page, uh, Clerical Heirs. Just, you know, look us up in that search bar up on mm-hmm. top in Facebook. They could find us on Twitter, and they could tweet at us, at Clerical Heirs P. At BA? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, <And> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> they could they could also send a, send us an, e- an email at feedback at Clerical Heirs. Uh, dot org. Dot org, right. So... You know, we love to hear, and and you know, this whole exercise for me too. Someone who's grown up in the church, who ha- gets to know the familiar tunes, to know that there were other, there are other Lutheran tunes that arguably could even, you know, say something even clearer and even better, um, was a good experience for me too. And so. and to our, our brother pastors as well, I do think these are the kind of hymns that actually can help your preaching. Absolutely. You know, you wonder, you wonder, well, how can I, for example, you talk about predestination. Mm-hmm. How, how can I word that in a way that, uh, in a, a clear, succinct way, obviously you'd modernize in a sermon the English a little bit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not you, but I would. Yeah. I mean, I like all the <laughs> yays and dots and these. The yees. The yees. <laughs> you said yay. <laughs> so... Right. You still with us, Peter? Yeah, I'm here. All right. I'm not One happy th- about it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think it makes me sound old? Like, like we're trying to relate. Is that part of it? No, the problem is that I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the way you are. <laughs> you know me well, producer. <laughs> So one thing we haven't done yet, we have that what, a new segment. Which one was this? Hey, Vicar, what are you thinking about? <laughs> Vicar. I'm thinking about how I missed out on a lot of great hymns growing up, but you know, I'm gonna start now. Vicar. Well, I do what I can, you know. <laughs> All right. So, one thing we haven't done in a little while is our 
attention deficit Bible study where we do how many verses, Vicar? How many verses do we do, Vicar? Just one. One. One verse and one verse only. And uh, we did uh, um, Obadiah originally. Yep, we did Obadiah, we did so you're all welcome. the entire book, verse by verse. And if you are new to the show, go back and get the get the whole Bible study in Obadiah uh, throughout the podcast. Please do so. But right now we have a Bible verse randomizer that, that uh, Peter has rigged up for us. So, Peter... Play the intro, my favorite intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. Oh, that music, though. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, it makes me happy. See, see, this isn't minor, Keith Berg. This is more my personality. <laughs> Which is what makes our show great, isn't it? It is. We're like the internet's odd couple. That's right. And Vicar falls somewhere in between. <laughs> All right. So, Peter, do you have a verse for us tonight? Here we go. Let's spin the wheel. All right. We have Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. All right, we're all opening up our uh, Bibles here. Can I read it? Yes, please do. All right, New King James, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Oh, that's a very, very simple verse. Harkens back to the Lord's Prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a verse... um, what word am I thinking of? It starts with an S. Um, sanctification. Sanctification, right? Vicar, how does this have to do with, with sanctification? Well, it's, I would say first it's found in a, in a sermon, right? So Paul's letters often would be, he'd be writing as their pastor, and this would be read in the, in the assembly. And so um, how is it uh, concerning sanctification. Well, one, we talked about how sanctification is rooted in Christ Jesus, and we see that in this verse. You know, uh, Berg's not making that up, <laughs> and the hymn writer is not making it up. It's in Scripture that Christ has first forgiven us, and it's from this that our forgiveness for our brother and our sister flows. Um, and uh, as well, uh, be kind, tenderhearted. This is all God has moved first on us. Um, we're completely dead, and he moves on us, and then we move to one another. So, so this reflects the idea that the, the gospel, the forgiveness of Christ, actually does change us. Right. Which is not something everyone likes to say. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is a difference between justification, where God declares you righteous on account of Christ, right? And he does this even for the ungodly, right? And sanctification, which is God's work in you. One is outside you, the other is inside you. And the one outside you is perfect. That's why we can be assured that we are forgiven and that we are going to heaven. The one inside you is imperfect. It's a work in progress. And it won't be completed until the day that you die. And, and we, we, by the way, we do this all the time when comforting the dying, don't we? Right. Because, because uh, the question always arises... And a lot of people, when they're dying, mm-hmm. 
they have a mo- they 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 trust the gospel, but they're human, right? And uh, and so they understand faith, except they think maybe, well, how do I know I believe enough? Enough, right? And uh, their eyes are always directed internally, right? And and rather than saying, you know, Jesus, then that's what we do. We say. Jesus died for your sins. We point them outside of themselves, and we point their eyes in the direction of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens in the Lord's Supper. You know, uh, when people, when they receive the Lord's Supper, do they always feel uh, like they're they're forgiven? No, not always. Not always. But what, what does, that gives them a chance to... And that's one thing Lutheran theology does. It gives you a chance to look outside yourselves right. to look at what the true gospel is because that supersedes your feelings and emotion. Well, And there are a lot of people who feel unworthy to come. They're like, well, I'm such a great sinner. I have to do better before I before I uh, take take Jesus' body and blood into my mouth. And it's like, no, you're, you're worthy right, right now. Right now. You're worthy right now because you know that you're a sinner— uh, you believe what Jesus says, and this sacrament is for you, because uh, the, the healthy don't need medicine. Right. It's the sick who need medicine. And getting back to the verse, it's just very. I, li- I like the simplicity. Be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Tender-hearted. Now, here's the thing, Berg. I got a question for you that you will love to answer. So, was it kind? For the reformers to sing that hymn during the sermon. Yes. <laughs> it was super kind, actually. Why? Because their brethren were in danger of hearing false doctrine, which could damn them to hell or at least rob their comfort in Christ. Um, it was good for the false preacher to hear that, so that way he might repent and be of his false doctrine and be saved. Um, it was actually tender-hearted, right? Mm-hmm. Because... They, they cared enough, right? To be callous and hard-hearted, it's not just uh, being mean to somebody else. It's that you don't care. And, and when this, this verse says, forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you, it means that the forgiveness of others really matters to you. Mm-hmm. You know, when, they, when he stood up and sang that hymn, it wasn't for himself. Right, it was for other people. It was for other people. And that's, that's the thing, guys, is that you know, if we don't care enough, if we don't say anything to those that we love about, you know, who Christ is, or if they are sinning, uh, our hearts really are calloused because you you don't feel anything. If you don't if you don't actually care about them being saved and believing what God wants them to believe, that is the definition of being hard-hearted and not tender-hearted. Right. Well, very good. Um, it's a good time to move on because I'm losing focus. All right. Don't be thinking <laughs> of my car now. All right. So uh, we, I think we do have some questions. I actually bumped into to a listener of the show and, and asked, said he had a question that we should answer, but we just didn't have time today. We will get to it next time. So, All right. So, uh, But if you do have questions, we'd like to hear them. And you know where to get to us. So uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And may your hymns be bodacious. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. 
This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. Hey, it's Peter. I'm working on a Christmas gift for the guys. If you'd like to help me out with that, go ahead and email me at christmas at clericalheirs.org. Thanks.